to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to The Last Gen Podcast. Today we're talking about five crucial facts about speaking in tongues. So today we're going to uncover the truth, the real truth about tongues. Now I wanted to take this episode to kind of go back to the basics and really lay a foundation for why we believe what we believe. That was the original goal of this podcast. Um, And I wanted to, I know we've done episodes on tongues before, but I want to Make this as clear and as concise as possible so that by the end of this, whether you know you've been taught about tongues your entire life or you've actually never heard about speaking in tongues and this is the first time you're hearing about it, I want this to be a great foundation to lay uh, for this biblical concept of speaking in tongues. Now, the reason I want to make this clear and concise is because I, it is, number one, It is a fundamental distinction of the way that we believe. As Pentecostals, which is what we are here at um, Miracle Word, what we are here at The Last Gen, we're Pentecostal believers. And what that means is we believe, one of the major distinctions is we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still operative today, number one. And number two, the major distinctive is the, the belief in speaking in tongues that it is for today and that it's the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to lose you. If that was a mouthful and you're confused, I, I want you to stick on and g- stay with this. I want you to take notes. These are going to be important things that you can reference back whenever you have a question to go back to the notes. See if it lines up with what the Bible says about tongues because A lot of times we hear things, even as Pentecostals, about tongues that sometimes I believe does not really explain what this thing is that we call tongues. You know, like you'll hear some people say like, how many know we speak in tongues because when we speak in tongues, we confuse the enemy because he doesn't know how to speak in tongues and he doesn't know what we're saying. And so that way we can pray and the enemy doesn't know what's going on. I mean... Sure. Bible never says that, (laughs) you know, I mean, it never says that directly. That's not the main reason we speak in tongues. So let's clear up what actually is tongues. What's the gift of tongues? What is speaking in tongues from the Bible? We'll lay out five facts. We'll start it off. Number one, I want you to take notes. Five crucial facts about speaking in tongues. Number one, the gift of tongues was foretold by the prophets and by Jesus. Speaking in tongues is not something that Pentecostals made up or fabricated. This is not a, uh, a thing for wacky Christians that want to go deeper. There's also this thing called tongues that a lot of Christians get into. Some churches don't. No, this is a main thing that the prophet Isaiah prophesied about. And Jesus himself predicted and told his disciples, this will happen. We'll go to the scripture. Key scripture. Put this down in your notes. Isaiah 28, 11. Isaiah 28, 11. This is what the Bible says. For by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord shall speak to his people. 
for a, by people of strange lips and a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to his people. Another translation says, stammering lips and a foreign tongue. By the way, tongue, the word tongue actually just means language in the Bible. And so how do we know this is about tongues? Well, later in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, as we're talking about, as Paul is laying out the spiritual gifts, he actually references this verse in the scriptures, pointing back to it and, and confirms that this is what the prophet Isaiah was speaking about. All right? Isaiah prophesied about it. Two, Jesus prophesied about it. And this is Mark 16, 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. This is before Jesus has ascended. He's, he's laying a foundation and says, I'm going to the Father. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. But when he comes, be aware. The people that believe in me, my disciples, my followers, Christians, anyone who believes, in my name, they'll cast out demons and they'll speak in other tongues. So Isaiah prophesied about it. Jesus prophesied about it. It's not something that Pentecostals made up. This is Bible facts. So we should be looking out for this thing. And if it's absent, listen to me, if it's absent in your church, in your fellowship, wherever, you know, in your friend circle, you don't hear about it, you've never heard about it, you have to ask the question, why have I not heard about it? If Jesus spoke about it, God through the prophets spoke about it, Paul spoke about it, it was mentioned in Acts specifically three times, and, and throughout the letters of Paul many times. You have to ask yourself the question, if the Bible speaks a lot about it, why are we not talking about it at all in church? Okay? So, that's number one. The gift of tongues was foretold by the prophets and by Jesus. Number two, what is tongues? Let's, let's define it. Tongues. Tongues is the ability to speak a heavenly language, not an earthly foreign language. There are those in the body of Christ who say, well, how many know that the gift of tongues is just the ability to speak a foreign language for the purposes of evangelism? So let's say I speak English, I don't speak Mandarin. Some people would say, tongues is a special gift that God gives you to then be able to speak Mandarin so that you could preach the gospel to them. And this is a very popular view, but we as Pentecostals don't hold to that because that's not what the Bible says. Let's go to scripture. Let's go to what happens when people speak in tongues and see if this lines up. We always go back to the Bible. We don't go to our tradition. We don't go by what we've heard. We go to scripture. So let's go. Let's go to the first time that we see tongues in the Bible, right? It's Acts chapter 2, and I'll start reading in verse 1 to kind of give you a better idea of context. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one, one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a, a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, all the believers. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to each one of them and rested on their head. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, okay, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or gave them the ability. Now listen to this. So they're speaking in tongues. So you say, what, what really is happening? Okay, 
So they start speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives them the, the ability. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Listen to this. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. I want to break this down very carefully because the verbiage that the Bible uses is important. There's a group of 120 believers. When the Holy Spirit falls on them, they all begin speaking in other tongues, right? Which we believe is a heavenly language, not an earthly language. They weren't speaking Mandarin, right? A heavenly language that they don't know in their own mind. So they start speaking in this heavenly language as the Spirit gives them the ability. Then, as they're doing this, men from, the Bible says, every nation under heaven, it lists them, many nations, many nations come together because it was a Jewish feast at the time, and they start hearing all the believers. Now, every one of these men spoke different languages. So just for the purpose of an illustration, think about this. Your church is in a uh, congregation. They only speak English, okay? Outside, there is someone who speaks only Mandarin, only another person speaks Russian, another person speaks uh, Spanish, another person speaks Japanese, another person speaks German, another person speaks Italian, right? They all have a different language. Now, the Bible says clearly, not that the believers were speaking all different languages, the believers weren't speaking Italian, Russian, German, Mandarin. They were speaking in the heavenly language. The Bible says, and they, and they, the group, were bewildered because they all, they heard them speaking in his own language. So if I'm the guy who speaks Russian, I heard 120 people speaking in Russian. If I'm the guy next to him who speaks only Mandarin, I hear all of the 120 believers speaking Mandarin. So what's the miracle that happened on the day of Pentecost? Was it that all the believers gained the ability to speak all these different languages that they never learned? No. The miracle was God allowed the people to hear all of them speak in his own language. Okay? Let's further establish this point. Tongues is the ability to speak in a heavenly language, right? So we don't see believers speaking foreign languages here, okay? We, we obviously see that's not the case. God allowed them to hear it. It was translated for them, okay? Here's another proof. 1 Corinthians 14.2. 1 Corinthians 14.2. This is a very clear scripture. And again, I really hope you're taking notes. I, I never aim to be over anyone's head, but I do aim to teach a solid biblical foundation from scripture. And I never, I, I think it's demeaning, and I understand this is a youth podcast, but I think it's demeaning when people will try to dumb down their messages or their teachings to better fit the mind of a young person. I believe you're smart. <laughs> this is not complicated stuff. God laid it out clearly for us. But it's important that we teach this and that we take notes and that we ingest it because people will have questions about it. You know, this is one of the things that people will attack, have questions about, and, and want you to answer these questions. And you can't dodge them and say, oh, I believe in tongues because my church believes it. No, you've got to have your own answer from the Bible, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we'll go to verse 4. This is Paul talking about 
what tongues is and what it isn't. He says this, the one who speaks in, in a tongue builds up himself. Or let, let's go to verse 3. Let's take it back one verse. On the other hand, let me, let me make sure I, I, I give you the full context, actually. Let's go to 2. Sorry, let's take it back one more verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no man understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Okay? When you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to men, you're speaking directly to God. Because no man can understand you, for you utter mysteries in the Spirit. Now, if tongues was just my ability to speak in Mandarin. Now, first of all, Mandarin is not mysteries in the Spirit, okay? Mandarin is an earthly language. It's not mysteries in the Spirit. But if tongues was the ability for me to speak Mandarin, the Bible says no man understands it. No man, no man understands it. If then I was in a multicultural church and I was speaking in tongues and there was someone who spoke Mandarin, which is of this, one of the top languages of the earth, they would be able to understand it. So it's not, it's not uh, mysteries in the Spirit. It's just Mandarin. So Paul's saying that's not what tongues is. Tongues is, an earth, is a heavenly language where you speak directly to God from your spirit. You're uttering mysteries in the Spirit. Okay? So that's, that's how we know it's not an earthly language. It's a heavenly language. When you speak in tongues, your spirit is praying. The Bible says, but your mind is unfruitful. Okay? Um... So, we know now that, number one, tongues was prophesied by the prophets, the prophet Isaiah, and Jesus. Number two, tongues is the ability to speak a heavenly language, but not, and not an earthly foreign language. Okay? Number three, the third crucial fact about speaking in tongues, and this is what uh, I want to major on. Okay? Number three, tongues is the initial, write this down, tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Tongues is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as we know as Pentecostals, is when, not when you're saved, but when the Holy Spirit endues you with power and not only just fills you, but fills you to overflow and comes upon you to give you power. Jesus said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? So just like we're not able to see wind, but we can see the effects of wind, right? If I were outside and I, I said to my friend, I said, Man, it's, it's a windy day outside. My friend goes, no, it's, it's not a windy day. You can't see the wind. How do you know it's a windy day? You can't see the wind. Wind's invisible. I would say, yes, wind is invisible. But I can see the physical effects of the wind. I can see the trees blowing. I can see the leaves blowing. I can see your hair standing up. That's the physical evidence of something that is invisible, right? So when someone gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's an inward work, right? 
Your spirit is being filled up. You're, you're being endued with power from the Holy Spirit. But just like, just like the wind, it's, it's an invisible thing, but it has outward effects. And as we see in the Bible, and I'll show you everywhere in the Bible that it shows us this, as you see in the Bible, when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit and power and fire, they always, I believe, speak in tongues as an evidence, right? We read Acts chapter 2 already. We'll read it again real quick. And then I'll show you other places in Scripture, right? So it's the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Bible, we see five different times that the Bible says that specifically that people were baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. There's five times in the book of Acts, right? We can lay them out and investigate them and, and hold this point to see if this is true. Now, five times we see someone, people are filled with the Holy Spirit. In three out of those five times, the Bible clearly states that be, as they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they began speaking in other tongues, right? As the initial physical evidence, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in tongues. Three out of five times it explicitly says it. Two, the other two times, the Bible strongly implies it and then later tells us that that's what happened. So I believe five out of five of the times in the Bible that people are filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, they all spoke in other tongues. They all spoke in their heavenly language as the Spirit gave them the ability. All right? Those five times that we see, Acts chapter, if you're taking notes, take this down. Five times in the Bible that we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Okay? Let's start with Acts chapter 2. We have already read it, but I'll, I'll quickly read it again. On the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared unrested on every one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right? Here's the first time. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone spoke in other tongues. 100%, 100%, okay? Let's go to the second time. Acts chapter 8. Now this is one I'll read to you. I'll kind of, uh, for the sake of time, I will, uh, I'll kind of give you the background of the story and then we'll read where it says uh, what we're getting to. So Philip, the evangelist, comes to this city called Samaria and preaches the gospel to them. They had never heard it before. And as he preaches, he, he does signs and wonders and miracles and demons come out and miracles are happening. People are getting healed. People are getting saved. They believe the word and they are saved. Okay? So as they're listening to Philip, they receive the word. They believe Jesus is Lord. Jesus, everything that this man is saying about Jesus is true. They get saved. Okay? Then, here's what happens. When Philip the evangelist gets them saved, the next order of business for Philip, was not to establish leaders in the church. It was not to uh, get everyone together for fellowship, to establish times where they can meet and, you know, buy a building. Yeah, that was not his first order of service. The first thing that happens, 
oh great, these people are saved, there's a revival, they're going to heaven. Now what we need to do? Now we need to call for the apostles in Jerusalem to come lay their hands on these believers so that they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what happens. Acts 8.14, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, remember I said three out of the five times it explicitly says they spoke in tongues. Two out of the five are implied. This is one of those that it doesn't explicitly say in the Bible that they spoke in tongues. But here's where the Bible strongly implies it, okay? So the apostles laid their hands on them and they all received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given, listen to this, when Simon, who was a sorcerer in the town, saw that the Spirit had been given. Now, let's think about this. Remember how I said the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an inward work. It's an invisible thing just like the wind. So how did, what did Simon see? Because later, Simon saw, the Bible says Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands. He offered to give them money trying to buy the power, right? So what did, the question is, what did Simon see that caused him to realize that this is the power of God, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It had to be something outward. Simon, it's like looking at the wind, like we said before. If I see... I can't see the wind. I can see the effects of the wind. There must have been something that Simon saw to then prompt him to say, I need to buy this power, right? If the apostles laid hands on them and all they did was this and quietly received and nothing happened, what, how, why would then Simon say, I need to buy this power? That's nothing to be bought. There's nothing, nothing happened in his eyes. But when Simon saw, see, there's an outward evidence of the inward work. What we believe is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which, is, which has an initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. I believe on this day, Simon saw them all speaking in other tongues. All right? Acts chapter 2, it explicitly says it. Acts chapter 8, it's implied. Acts chapter 9. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. The conversion of Saul. So the Apostle Paul, this is his, his testimony, how he was saved. So there's a man named Ananias. So as, as we know, Paul, or Saul at the time, was a great persecutor of the church. He didn't believe in Christianity. He uh, wanted to kill all the Christians because he was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. Um, and he, he approved of the stoning of uh, Stephen, right? And so Saul, on the road to Damascus, has a radical encounter with Jesus where he gets saved. Jesus speaks to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then, you know, basically he gets saved in a radical experience. As he sees Jesus, his eyes were blinded. Now understand this. He then waits in a house. This is what God then, as Saul had this encounter, it is now in a house blinded. This is what God tells some other random believer in the same city. 
Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise, go into the street called Straight, at the house of Judas, at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Come and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Okay, Ananias kind of you know, argues with the Lord. Lord, this is a persecutor of the church. He's a dangerous man. Do you really want me to go and uh, witness to this man? Obviously, um, he, he eventually goes. Then the Bible says, so Ananias departed and entered the house, laying his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So he's saying, I'm here so that I can lay my hands on you so that you regain your sight and that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now again, the Bible does not specifically say that he immediately began speaking in tongues. But what we do know, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 18. The same Paul, the same Saul, who later became Paul, is recounting. He's, he's talking to this church. And so you say, well, it never says that Paul spoke in tongues. It never says that Saul spoke in tongues. You know, how do you know he spoke in tongues? This is how we know. Paul says to the Corinthian church, now I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So we see, as the pattern in Scripture says, as people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they begin, they have the utterance, they have the ability to speak in their heavenly language. Okay? So we know there, Paul speaks in tongues. And we believe that was the initial evidence of when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The next, the next two stories, and then we'll wrap it up with point number four and five really quickly. Acts chapter 10. Now, this is very, the next two are very explicit. There's no, there's no way to misunderstand this. Acts chapter 10. Peter preaches to a group of believers. So, Peter preaches to them. And while Peter is preaching to them, the Bible says in Acts 10.44, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers among the circumcised who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on even the Gentiles. How did they know it was poured out on the Gentiles? For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. They believed the message. They were, the, the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And what did they do? They began speaking in tongues. Initial physical evidence. The last, um, the last story is also very important, very clear. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, and we'll start in verse 1. Uh, a little backstory just for the sake of time. Paul comes to a town called um, Ephesus, right? He came to a city called Ephesus. He found there some believers, people who already believed in Jesus. He said, you know, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, no, we haven't even heard that there was even a Holy Spirit. And then basically, as soon as Paul heard that, he then said, holy, holy crap. He didn't say holy crap, but, you know, in his mind. This is the Pastor Alex version of the Bible. <laughs> they haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. They need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible then says, Paul then 
When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. There it says, clearly, the Bible clearly says, as soon as Paul laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. They all began speaking in other tongues. So there we see five stories of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Three out of five, it, it specifically says they all of 100% of the believers, 100% uh, rate of the believers, success rate, if you will, spoke in tongues. Two of the other stories imply it. So, you know, we can't then say, well, you know, some stories say that it happened, some stories say that it didn't, so maybe some get it and some don't. We can't say that because that would mean that God is a racist. You say, How does, why does that mean God is a racist? Because you're saying, well, they got it in Ephesus, but they didn't get it in Samaria. So maybe God wanted the Ephesians to have it, but not the Samaritan. So God prefers people based on where they're from. The Bible clearly says God is no respecter of persons. So if it happened 100% here, it had to have happened 100% here. God does not make distinctions like that. Okay? So, to recap the last three points. The gift of tongues was foretold by the prophets and Jesus. Tongues is the ability to speak a heavenly language, not an earthly foreign language. Number three, tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And number four, tongues is given, tongues, when given as a message to the church, there must be an interpretation. When it's used as a personal devotion, no interpretation is required. So people, people will often say, you know, Alex, like, I, you know, the Bible says, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians, so like, let's, let's read what people use. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 27, or verse 13 through 19. Paul says, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, and I will sing praise with my mind also. Otherwise, if you, if you give thanks in the spirit, how can others, anyone in the position of an outsider, say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five tongues in uh, words with my mind, five, five words in my mind, with my mind, with my natural language, than five words in a tongue so that I can build others up. So people say, you know, I thought we can't speak in tongues, you know, if there's no interpreter. You know, there has to be an interpreter, Paul said. I want people to interpret their tongues if I'm going to speak in tongues. So if I don't have an interpreter, I can't speak in tongues. Well, that's not the case. You have to make a distinction between these two things. You have to make a distinction between tongues when it's given as a message to people and tongues when it's being used as a personal devotion to God. So... When is an interpreter required? Well, if I stand up in a church and I speak in tongues to all these believers, the Bible says they don't know what I'm talking about. I'm speaking in a heavenly language. And I just get up and I start rattling off in tongues a message like I'm talking to the people, but they have no idea what I'm saying. And then I, get, and I sit down. What was that for? No one was edified. No one was encouraged. That didn't have any point to it other than building myself up. 
right? So Paul's saying when you're giving a message in tongues to the church, there has to be an interpretation because the goal is that everyone is encouraged, everyone is edified or built up in their spirit and faith. So the goal in church is to build people up. So if you're going to speak in tongues a message to the church, there has to be an interpreter. He says, but, but, here's the distinction. If you're praying in tongues as a personal devotion to God, there's no need for an interpreter. Because the Bible says, as we covered before, the one who speaks in an unknown tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, speaks not to men, but directly to God. For no man understands him, he utters mysteries in the Spirit. So as we speak in tongues, I want you to understand that tongues should be a part of every believer's life in a daily, every day. You should be speaking in tongues. Paul even bragged about how much he spoke in tongues. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. So he's saying, I speak in tongues all the time. But then he pivots and he says, but nevertheless in church. So he's saying, I speak in tongues in my personal life all the time, right? There doesn't need to be an interpreter. I'm talking directly to God, right? I'm talking to God. My mind doesn't understand. It's unfruitful. I don't know what I'm saying in my mind. My spirit is praying, right? So I'm praying in my spirit. I'm building myself up, like the Bible says, and that's good. We should be doing that. The Bible says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. It's good. It's of God. As we covered earlier, it's prophesied by Jesus. This is God's gift to us. We should cherish it. We should speak in tongues every day, praying to God in other languages, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, right? But Paul says, nevertheless, in church, he says, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words in my, with my mind or with my known language than five, than, than, uh, 10,000 words in a tongue, okay? Because the end goal in church is to edify others, to build up others. And if I'm speaking in tongues with no interpretation of the tongue, then it's not building anyone up except for myself. So, the last point, and take this down as the last crucial fact about speaking in tongues. Number five, tongues builds up the believer. I'm going to give you two verses of scripture that will encourage you to speak in tongues every day. And at the end, if you've never spoken in tongues and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray for you that you be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I believe God will uh, encounter you in, in such a way today that just as it happened in scripture, as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it'll overflow and you'll start speaking in this heavenly language. Okay? So I'm believing that with you. But I want to encourage you, tongues builds up the believer. 1 Corinthians 14.4. We read it before, but I'm going to read it again. Paul says this, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now Paul says this, If you speak in tongues, you're building yourself up. Where are you building yourself up? Not in your mind. You're building yourself up in your spirit. Because Paul says in verse 14 later, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So as you're speaking in tongues, building yourself up, praying in in the spirit in your personal devotional time, your spirit is actually being built up or strengthened or edified. That's the reason we should all speak in tongues every day. That's why Paul said, I wish that you would all speak in tongues. That's That's actually a verse of scripture. I wish that you all speak in tongues. Okay? Another verse of scripture. The last one, Jude 
Obviously, Jude has one chapter, but Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20. And the Bible says this. But you, beloved, talking to believers, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, how? By praying in the Holy Spirit. So as we pray in the Holy Spirit, we're literally building our spirit man up. We're edifying or strengthening or building. That word edifying, as the Bible uses it, uh, is where we get the word edifice in, in English. That word edifice means building. It means a, a structure. So as we're, just like people would lay foundation, they would put up scaffolding, they build up a structure. Paul's saying just as that happens, as we pray in the Spirit, we're building up our spirit man, which is the real us, the part of us that connects with God, the part of us that hears from God. So if you want to be a truly spiritual person connected to God, God has given us a gift, a precious gift that should be cherished and not thought of as it's weird, not, not shunned or rejected. It should be cherished and it should be taken advantage of. Pray in the Spirit. If you have that gift of tongues, which every believer can access, if they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you should be praying in tongues every day, building yourself up. And now I'm going to pray for people that maybe haven't had an experience with God where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and received their heavenly prayer language. I want to pray for you because I believe as I was speaking, there's, there's a, an urgency and there's a hunger for these things because God has instilled it in us. The Bible speaks about it. It's something that we should all desire. We should desire spiritual gifts. And so I'm going to pray for you. If you're watching this right now or listening on the podcast, I want you to understand, this is not something that will come out of your mind. As we talked about today, it comes directly from your spirit. Don't let your mind stop what God's doing in your spirit. Okay? So I want, if, you, if this is you and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues, you're going to receive today. All right? And if maybe you have already and you speak in tongues frequently, take this as a time to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. We can never have too much of the Holy Spirit. So right now, if that's you and you want to receive, lift your hands where you are, receive this. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my friend watching, listening. I thank you that you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our guide, our power, our, our witness. We thank you that you've given us the power of the Holy Spirit. You said we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And just as you've given the gift of tongues to every believer in the Bible. We thank you that you're baptizing every single person listening with the Holy Spirit and fire, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Right now, I command you in Jesus' name to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues in Jesus' mighty name. I command it to go from your spirit and overflow into your mouth in Jesus' name that you'll receive the gift that God promised, the gift of speaking in other tongues. In Jesus' name, I command you now to be filled. Amen. Amen. Listen, thanks so much for watching. Don't forget, we have a ton of other episodes, whether you're on the podcast, audio only, or watching on YouTube. I want you to understand, there are so many other episodes 
to uh, d dig into. If you're hungry for more things, you're hungry for the Word of God, we've got uh, over 60 now episodes, just like this one, with you know teachings, interviews, podcasts, uh, s testimonies, all these different things to build your faith as a young person. Check out the YouTube account. Look at the videos we've posted. Check out our Spotify, our Apple Music, or our Apple Podcast. Look at all the things that we've, we've done before. Start listening to them to build your spirit daily. I love you. Thanks so much for watching, and I'll see you in the next video. Thank you.